0: Welcome back to There Are Three of Me. I'm Gabrielle Lawson, Philippe de Lama-Troc, and Ina Coriel, and we're now ready for chapter 20 of Alien Us by Philippe de L'Ammatrach. I admit right now I have a bit of a headache. It's not been a bad headache, but I had it since I woke up, which was right before noon. But hey, I stayed up until 4 a.m. You know, it happens on weekends. <laughs> Uh, It's only 9 o'clock right now. I'm going to take something else and maybe read this story with some ice on my head. Okay? Get ready for Chapter 20. Star Trek Enterprise Alien Us by Philippe de la Troc. Chapter 20. she tried to keep from crying. The overseers wouldn't know what to do with that, and the other females, well, she didn't know what they would do. At first, she tried having Malcolm talk to her, but he just couldn't. It was all he could do to not scream in her mind. He'd turned the dial on his mental console, one-way communication from her to him. So she talked, hoping he could still listen, hoping her voice was something of a comfort for him. She told him happy stories of gathering around the tables at family reunions with everyone laughing and talking all at once about what had gone on in the last year. She told him the best, funniest stories from various years, like the time her sister and brother-in-law traveled to Prague in the spring only to find five inches of snow on the ground with more in the forecast, and they had to buy gloves and scarves at a second-hand shop and try not to fall on the slick cobblestone streets in their athletic shoes she told him about her trip there when she saw don giovanni in the same theater mozart had premiered it in 1787 how the music had just filled her until her eyes teared up even in the funny parts but it was one thing to try and distract him from chemical tests or heat or cold this was surgery and she'd been there she knew the pain of the scalpel the horror of the probing hands the seemingly never-ending agony searing everything else from her awareness And she hurt for him she missed him but she never stopped talking malcolm reed reached for her voice like a lifeline just beyond his grasp he tried to focus on her words her stories but the pain burned white hot inside him ripping into every corner of his mind his body the other surgeries paled in comparison to this one as a thousand nerve endings shot liquid fire through his nervous system and he thanked a god he wasn't sure he believed in that they weren't doing this to Hoshi anymore. By the time they were done, he couldn't hear her over his own mental screams. Every prick of the needles closing him up sent new shocks through his groin. He begged for the blackness to envelop him. When it didn't, he didn't even have the strength to imagine the console to tell her goodbye. Pippa had to tell her it was time to go in. Hoshi had been lost in thought, babbling stories to Malcolm for hours. Realizing now that it was late in the night in Jiren, she knew it had to be over. He wasn't listening anymore and wouldn't be for days. She was alone again. She let the tears come as she went under the cold shower to wash away the day's grime and dirt. Tears for him and for her. She didn't want to be alone. Beizhou hid his discomfort throughout the workday. It was hard. He thought of his own genitals being picked apart and studied so intrusively. Even if the alien was anesthetized, it it just seemed such a violation, especially in light of his reaction to the semen collection months before. Reproductive organs represented the most private, most personal part of a person, and he realized then that he hadn't thought that way about the female or, and the attempts to impregnate, impregnate her with the clone of the male. Were the females of the, their species as sentient, as intelligent, as cognizant as the males? Did she consider such things a violation? He hurried home after his shift and skipped dinner as his stomach just wasn't settled. He turned on the monitor and found a comedy show. He wanted to laugh, to forget, lest someone suspect his feelings the next day at work. It worked for a few hours, but once he switched the monitor off, the sadness, the revulsion returned. He went to bed and dreamed of small primate scientists cutting him up. When Malcolm didn't speak for a week, Hoshi realized it was one of two things. Either he had died, in which case she needed to decide how she could accomplish her own demise, or he was unconscious after the surgery. There had seemed to be a time of actual unconsciousness after the torturous operations. She had only had one, and the pain and helplessness still haunted her. But even then, she hadn't awoken from pain, but from a great, sleepy blackness. She had faith that, if he knew he was going to die, he'd say goodbye. So she tried to believe he wasn't dead. He was just sleeping a deep, dreamless, merciful sleep after an unspeakable horror. One thing his silence determined for her was that she was not insane or imagining his voice. If she had been, she wouldn't have wanted this silence. She would have kept his voice coming to keep her company. As it was, she turned to Pippa, who was her only other friend. They spoke in the quietest whispers and at times when no one else could hear. How she had given up testing her, seeing as she was no expert on such things. So she tried instead asking about the way things were in her life were the overseers? What were the different kinds of people? Pippa's responses were the answers of a child, an innocent that found no fault in the way things were. The overseers were bosses. There were teethy ones and beaked ones and long ones. Hoshi had seen representatives of the first two. The third was news to her. She hadn't seen any long ones. What were they like? Pippa's answer was only that they were long. On the eighth day, Malcolm's voice returned. Frodo, He'd used her codename. He sounded groggy, and she realized he might be afraid he'd speak out loud. "'I'm here, Sam,' she replied. "'It's over. They'll have to give you time to heal, at least. Are you in pain?' "'Yes,' he answered. "'No. And yes. Every time I move. Or remember. "'Where was it?' "'Don't ask.' he pleaded. Please don't ask. That gave her a good suspicion. They had explored his reproductive system just as they were manipulating hers. No, she didn't want to think that. She pushed the thought deep down into a blank hole somewhere inside her mind and hoped it would never crawl and hoped it never crawled back out. I won't, she promised him. I won't ask. It's okay. I've missed you. He was silent a while, and she remembered how tired she was after the procedure they'd both endured in Jiren. I'm tired, he finally said. Go to sleep. I'll be here when you wake up. I love you, Malcolm. Love. And then he was gone again into that welcome blackness where the pain and memories couldn't reach him. She missed that, too. And was glad he was getting to experience at least a few days of that in the hell they'd crashed into and been left to die in they were too close together it was apparent the two embryos as tiny as they were were growing and the distance between them was shrinking because of it it was also apparent that they'd have to grow quite a bit more before before she could give birth the embryos were nowhere near viable they could still survive, Besta agreed. They might not conjoin. Inesh waved a hand. No, one might just absorb the other. Then what would we have? A non-sentient specimen to dissect once the unfinished twin was removed. Vesta had a point there. It sometimes happened in primate births that, that one twin absorbed the other, but the lesser twin was always malformed and missing a brain. Such a specimen of the alien could be studied in depth with no ethical qualms. It, With no brain, it could feel nothing, think nothing. Well, it was still too early to know, Inej concluded. He stepped away from the monitor, showing the image from the ca- camera in the female's uterus. The inauguration is this week, am I right? Besta groaned. Such as it is. Four years of conservative leadership. We'll be lucky if we're not at war by then, with half the planet. Enesh didn't understand. It can't be that bad. There are checks on his power, right? The liberals control one half of the legislature. True, but the president is arguably the most powerful man in the country, and he controls the armed forces. We are going to watch, though, aren't we? Enesh would anyway, but he enjoyed Besta's company. Of course. Besta clapped him on the shoulder. It's still something to see when the government changes hands so peacefully after such a hard-fought election. Major Jena was not comfortable with the addition to his little project with Dr. Kaifa, Kenu the linguist, but as he was the only language expert with clearance and experience with the aliens, the council had decided he and Kaifa should work together where the repeated signal was concerned. I would think they represent letters, Kenu concluded. The pulses are too simple to convey words, I think, especially seeing as the first, three long pulses, is repeated at the end. The question, however, is which letters? And what does the whole message mean? Kaifa agreed. Jenna suppressed a sigh, so they were letters. They were no closer to finding a meaning. What do we know of their letters? Nothing that corresponds to three pulses, long or short. Kenu pulled out a file and spread a few pictures on the table. These are the parts of their clothing that contained letters, and this, he held up another, is from food wrappers they discarded and buried along their path. I can count less than twenty separate letters, though we have no basis for determining if these samples encompass their entire alphabet. He pulled out a paper with a few of the words on it. The female has not spoken and may not be capable of speech. The male has said only two words. One identified the female as... Frodo, and water, which he pronounced as water. Unfortunately, their water container was not labeled with anything that wasn't on their clothing. Kaifa interrupted. And we can assume they didn't need the word water on their clothing. Exactly, Kenner replied. So we don't know how they spell water. We do know, however, that that this, he pointed to the the S-A-T-O word, is an identifier for the female, it is the only pat. It is on the only patch that varies on their clothing. Since the male called her Frodo, we can theorize the first letter is Fr, and the second and fourth are O, and the third is D. Four letters and no way to connect them with the two letters in the pulse. Jenna couldn't suppress a sigh at a sigh this time. So we have no way to even guess what the pulses mean. Kaifa nodded. We can guess all we want. We have no objective way to determine how this code was put together. Kinu cleared his throat. I think we can determine some clues. Go on, Jenna encouraged. He needed something, anything that could get them closer. The clothing, Kinu said. Except for the size and gender differences, they are identical. The patches would seem to indicate a kind of uniform. It's not civilian wear. Military, then, Jenna decided canoe was maybe a decent decision after all. Uh, possible, though other groups have uniforms, such as prisoners, emergency workers, even some civilian jobs. I should have said it was. it's not casual wear. Kaifo spoke up again. Though not all people who wear uniforms would conceivably be in a small spaceship with the opportunity to crash here, I'd opt for either military or prisoners. Jenna had already mulled over those two scenarios. Maybe we need to make the alien talk. Get him to say these words. He pointed to the photos on the table. That would help you with deciphering their letters. But not the meanings, Kaifa pointed out. Still, Kinu said, the more he says, the more I have to work with. Though it might have to wait until next month. He's just been out of surgery for a week and a half. I can suggest to Dr. Bishday that we try different narcotics on him next to see his reaction and maybe get him to talk jenna would rather try it they try it now but he knew he couldn't push the scientists too far but soon he could as turn approached so did the change in the council leadership with usa as head councilman colonel guy would win more of the arguments over the alien's treatment the alien was openly upset now Beju could read it in his face his expression the look in his eyes was dangerous It was the same as it was after they had collected semen. Violated. That's what the alien felt. Beiju didn't worry so much about whether or not he had any basis for interpreting such expressions. He knew because he knew the alien was sentient, and he could empathize with someone sentient. The alien would feel violated because Beiju would feel violated in his place. The alien's expressions confirmed it. He glared at the doctors when they entered his room he did the same with Beiju and Hina. Beiju at least tried to be gentle when he changed the bandages, and he also tried to show a sympathetic expression to the alien without being too demonstrative about it to the doctors. There was really nothing more he could do with that camera watching all the time. Beiju wondered if anyone else felt the way he did about the alien. If they did, they didn't show it. Bishte might have been the likeliest, but he'd already stated that sen- sentiment couldn't get in the way of science. Kenu maybe, but he was usually just bored. He'd had very little to work with for his months here. Burha and Gibin seemed eager to learn more and more, regardless of the alien's feelings. Hinnath wasn't even worth considering. Sympathy wasn't one of his strong suits. He was alone, just like the alien was alone, and it looked like they'd be that way for the rest of their lives. Malcolm was angry frustrated and furious. He was mad at what the scientists had done, even more so than in the past. He was also angry at himself for the false hope he'd had that the scientists were done cutting him open. The last few months had been unpleasant, but not nearly so agonizing and traumatic. And the fact that he could do nothing with or for his anger made him mad at the fickleness of the universe and enterprise." How could he even begin to hope that the captain or Trip would come rescue them after all this time? The only thing that made his life bearable was Hoshi. She was the light shining in his darkness. Her voice in his mind comforted him. He listened to her and through her and was transported to a different place. Not an easy place, but at least a place with trees and grass and breezes and not just the same four walls day in and day out. He'd been awake for four days now. It still hurt to turn over or to relieve himself. The orcs came in to change his dressings, to check his vitals, to feed and water him as if nothing at all was amiss. Smeagol, though, was the only one to really look him in the eyes. Smeagol's eyes were about the only part of him that Malcolm could even think think of as expressionable. Smeagol's rigid beak didn't smile or frown. Malcolm still thought he could read something in Smeagol's eyes, but he was too angry to bother hoshi showed him a bud on one of the plants she was tending it was a small narrow image and a bit fuzzy malcolm closed his eyes and adjusted the focus on the panel labeled video on his mental console the image became clearer but stayed small see the stuff coming out she asked malcolm concentrated the image was somewhat translucent superimposed onto the swirling colors on the back of his eyelids it winked in and out like a thought on the verge of being forgotten it was really hard to make out details, but he did think he could see a bit of white in the middle of the green bud. I think so, he told her. Is it white? Yes, she replied. I think it's a fiber, like cotton. Now show me something. Like what, he wondered to himself. His cell was rather bare and almost identical to the first one he'd been brought, he was brought to. She could imagine it. It wouldn't be a good test. He needed to show her something distinct. So you can tell how they'd mate? Kare asked. Beiju thought his friend sounded a bit too interested. No, not without watching, and that can't happen. But we can infer that it's much like our primates, and I'm not going to discuss the details over breakfast. Go home and read a biology book. Kare grunted. You're no fun. Beiju sighed. There's not a lot of reason for fun these days. with B- Boftanus's B- new warmonger president and the uprisings in Sh- Shirkatissa future looks rather dim. There's still turn, Kare reached into a pocket and pulled out a slip of paper. The quotas were posted. I've got my slot. Beju took the paper to look at it more closely. You got two slots. I knew they'd take you. Kare smiled. I'm sure you'll get some too. You're the best lesser winged they've got there, and Dr. Berha knows it. Yes, but one of us will have to watch the alien for the two weeks everyone else is out creating the next generation. Kare gave him a pointed look. They both said it at the same time. Hineth! Beju laughed, and it felt so good to laugh again. Two weeks after the inauguration, Enesh and Vesta's workload had tripled. It had doubled when they had started receiving more data from Jiren, not quite the raw data President Gudai wanted, but not the conc- just the conclusions Dr. Bishtay and the others had come to. Now they had the evidence supporting the conclusions. The tripling came when the new president ordered daily reports on their progress with the female and their own conclusions about the male. "'It's going to be a long four years,' Besta griped. Enesh nodded. He was writing a report on the latest exploring done by the Jiren scientists. "'It's really fascinating,' he said, "'the number of nerve endings.'" They could really only estimate, and it's still doubled that of our primates. So intercourse is either very painful or very enjoyable for him, Vesta concluded. It would be interesting to see if there's a correlation in the female's genitalia. Enish thought about that and dropped the report on his desk. He moved to another computer and brought up the magnetic resonance scan they had taken when the female arrived. He input a command to have the computer highlight the nervous system and then zoomed in on her genitalia. "'Besta, look!' Besta came over to join him. There was a structure in the female that he'd never seen in their own primates, and it was loaded with nerve endings, thousands upon thousands of them. "'Makes one think it's not simply to satisfy a biological imperative toward procreation,' Besta said. They might have intercourse just for purely recreational reasons. Enish tended to agree, but one observation didn't fit. They were together for a month and didn't mate even once.' And they had nothing better to do. They were also recuperating from the first invasive exploratory surgery. They might not have been in the mood. Enish nodded again, conceding the point. No, they weren't. Malcolm Reed stared at his food hard. But while his eyes focused on his dinner, his mind concentrated on amplifying the outgoing video signal. Is it fish? Hoshi asked excitedly. Malcolm nearly smiled. He shifted his gaze to the vegetable beside it. She could see it. It was red and ovular. She was about to tell him that when a painful cramp seized her abdomen, doubling her over and stealing her breath, Pippa was near and noticed. She dropped her bag and ran to Hoshi. Hurt? Hoshi couldn't even take a breath to answer. She grimaced in pain. Red, Pippa said. Hoshi looked down and realized she was bleeding. Pippa ran away. None of the other females even stopped working. Finally, the cramp released her, and she blew out a breath she hadn't realized she'd held. "'What's wrong?' Malcolm asked. "'Cramp,' she told him. "'I'm bleeding. I think I'll be going back to the lab now.' She tried to stand, but doubled over again. "'That might not be a bad thing this time around.' She vaguely heard the sound of running feet. Then two strong arms lifted her still bent body up and then she was worrying past row after row of fibrous plants the females were picking he was right maybe it was a good thing even if it hurt like hell whatever they had put in her was coming out all right we are now two-thirds of the way through alien us let's do a quick summary because that's what we've been kind of doing since, you know, we had that gruesome chapter in Chapter 5, Really haven't hit it again. This one might be sensitive, though. Okay, so Hoshi is about to cry, and she is not crying because she's in pain. It's because Malcolm is, and she remembers what it was like. He's in surgery again. And then we have a very short scene with Malcolm in that surgery, and we find out it's there on his reproductive system, shall we say. Um which is gonna hurt a heck of a lot and then we have a very very short scene one paragraph back with hoshi and she realizes he's now out so it's it's gone on all day and now it's probably dark in Jiren, and he's probably asleep and he's going to be for a month and she didn't want to be alone Um then we have beiju who we're kind of like he he's um thinking back on you know, here it's now you know time he's going home but Throughout the day, he had trouble with this because he kind of did some empathy. He put himself in in Malcolm's place and decided this would feel like violation, and it just didn't sit right with him. And then we go back to Hoshi, and Malcolm was gone for a week, and it either means that he's dead or he's in a coma because she remembers that she didn't wake up directly from the pain into into awaken. She went back to sleep, and she woke up from a deep you know, unconsciousness. Um, and so during this time, she's feels lonely, so she talks to Pippa, Pippin, and she asks her things of, about her life, and she doesn't get much of an answer um, to who are the overseers, their bosses. What kinds are, you know, why are they different? Well, there are teethy ones, beaked ones, and long ones. And Hoshi never saw a long one, so she's asking what they're like, and Pippa just says, long. they're the long ones and those are the raptors wingeds, and monitors but hope she doesn't learn that and then frodo or excuse me sam malcolm is back on the eighth day and but he's really tired and um she asked where the surgery was and he said don't ask please don't ask and she agreed not to she kind of knew and she tells him again that she loves him and malcolm starts to say love you but he's just so tired he only gets out the word love And then we got a scene with Basta and Enish, and they're a little concerned that the two blastocysts, the two embryos, are now too close together, and will she have room for two in the womb, and, you know, what's going to happen? What are the possibilities? But also then we find out that the inauguration is in a week, and Enish still wants to watch it, even though his chosen candidate lost. Um, Then we have Kenu joining Kaifa to work on the code, And not getting very far, but he does let them know some of the things about the letters and the words that were spoken and what they can infer from the uniforms, etc. What they can, you know, know, Um, but they can't know a whole lot. But they do discuss the possibility of making the alien talk and Jenna would be all for it. Ken was kind of leaning that way. He really would like to get him to talk. Because the more he talks, the more he has to work with. Right now, he's had two words. That's it. Um, Then we got Beju again, noting that Malcolm is very upset. And he's not too worried about reading into the expressions. Because now he's done this empathy thing. He would be violated. Therefore, he can read those expressions as confirmation that Malcolm is feeling violated and angry. Um, But, you know, he realizes he can't tell anyone this because he can't risk it. Beju or Bishday might be likely to do this, but he's also said can't let sentiment get in the way of science. And you know, if, if Beju mentioned this and then Bishday denounced him, it, it it would be bad. Um, then we got Malcolm, and he is very angry, and he's angry not just with the orcs, but he's angry at the fickleness of the universe and enterprise. And it states that. How could he even begin to hope that the captain or trip would come rescue them after all this time? So at the beginning, we noticed they still had the hope, but now it's getting harder and harder to hope, um, that Enterprise will come. It's been a long time. And the only thing that kind of is the light in his darkness is Hoshi. And, um, He's still having trouble. He's been awake for four four uh, days, and he's still in a lot of pain. If he tries to turn over or relieve himself, um, but they are trying to to do something with the console, the the telep- telepathy and the and the control console, and they're trying video now. The image that he gets of the plant she's working on is very narrow, and he can kind of clear it up, but he can barely see that this green plant has white in the center. So he's getting something in, and. It, She tells him it's like cotton, and then she asked him to show her something. And he wants something distinct, not just the four walls and whatever. Then we go to Beiju and Kare at breakfast, and Kare kind of wants him to tell him how they mate. But uh, Beiju won't do it, and he says, go home and read a biology book. Um, But they do uh, say that, you know, uh, Kare has got the, the quotas, and he's got slots for two slots, for mating at turn, and he's very excited about that, and he's sure that uh, Beiju will get a slot too. saying is, he's the best lesser winged at Kinesitai, and but you know, but Beju points out somebody has to stay with the alien during turn and won't get slots, and they both look at each other and think it's gonna be Eneth. <laughs> All right, and then two weeks after the inauguration, we're back with Enesh and Besta, and now they have to not only. Um, do you know the, their own reports, and now they have to and and pass along what Jiren has found. Now they don't have the raw data, but they do have data to back up the conclusions that the the the, the Jiren scientists have come with. And now they have to draw their own conclusions from that and give daily reports to the to the new president. And um, Besta points out it's going to be a long four years. And while they're looking at the you know he's aneshe is going over the reports from the male's latest exploratory surgery and he notes that the penis has many hundreds of of nerve endings it's it's really fascinating so it's either you know it's very sensitive therefore it's either very painful to have intercourse or it's very pleasurable and Inesh thinks to go look at the resident, the MRI, basically, that Hoshi had had early on to see if they can see anything similar in the female, and when he zeroes in looking at the nervous system and her genitalia, he notes something that their primates don't have. In this case, it is the clitoris, and it has thousands upon thousands of nerve endings. This is, I don't know the exact numbers, but I do know that women win in this one. <laughs> There are more more nerve endings in that than there are in the penis. So women, uh, those born with a clitoris, have the advantage over those born with a penis. Okay, and I should say clitoris, not clitoris, (laughs) but anyway. um, So they kind of reason that if if it's that good, they probably just have intercourse for recreational reasons. But Enish points out they didn't. They had a month. And Besta points out, well, they just came out of that surgery and they may not have been in the mood. And uh, NS remembers, no, no, they really weren't in the mood. And then we have a very short scene with Malcolm and he's sharing his food with Hoshi, having her see through his eyes. So the other side of a video and she is able to make out fish and then she sees a red um, fruit or vegetable uh, vegetable. Um, that's in the next, and oh, in the last scene, it's Hoshi. She can see it. It's red and ovular. And then she starts getting stomach cramps and it's really, really bad. And Pippa notices, and she also notices there's blood. She runs to get help and big, strong arms come and take Hoshi and drag her away. And Malcolm points out, might be a good thing that she's going back to the lab. And she uh, thinks, yes, it might be because whatever they put inside her is coming out. And we know what they put inside her. And we know that this is a miscarriage then. All right. That is where we are at the end of chapter 20. Um, I do still have a headache, which is rather discouraging. It's not a terrible headache, but it's been going on for more than 10 hours now, probably closer to 11. which is a long time. And I've taken various medicines, not at the same time. Give them hours in between. And the last one I took usually does a pretty good job of killing a headache, especially one that isn't tri- tr- truly terrible. And I even have this thing called Thera Ice. It's a, it's kind of a hat. It's open at the top, but it's kind of a hat that you leave in the freezer, and it can go all the way down around your eyes. It's got a space for the nose. It starts out super cold, so I have to wear a bandana on my head because it's that, that cold. It's too cold. Um, but even with that and the... Uh, I call the big medicine, which is acetaminophen, aspirin, and caffeine, Um, my headache is still here. (laughs) Which is not fun, but um, as usual, having a headache, unless it's really super bad, doesn't really keep me from working, keep me from doing things. It just means I do it through pain and it's less fun. even not fun things, or even less fun when, when I have a headache. All right, so I don't, let's see, what are the, anything I can think of to comment on in the writing of this chapter? Hmm, not, I can't really think of anything that I haven't mentioned already, which is mostly just the summary. So things are coming undone for Hoshi, but um probably, maybe be positive on her side even though it hurts because she doesn't know exactly what they put inside of her um you know <laughs> she could have all kinds of ideas as to what they put inside of her but we know they're trying to make a clone of malcolm so what they have is a, a genetically altered you know or fertilized, fertilized and altered egg trying to get just the same DNA as Malcolm Reed has so we know that's what they're trying for but she could be thinking what if it's you know genetically modified them and her hybrid um, something like that <laughs> so she has no idea it could be a you know in a sense a monster and so she doesn't want to think about it ever she, she makes it she's just living in denial of that thing until now, it's coming out. Um, we get a little bit more insight into the females. Pippa can't say any more about the three different kinds of of species than teethy ones, beaked ones, and long ones. She, d- she doesn't name them by their names, wingeds, raptors, and monitors. Um, she can't say anything else about them than, you know, the long ones are long. Um, so she's... She's really not, and by all the evidence, not as smart as, as, as the males. They really are inferior. Um, I decided that that was going to be that way in this story because it was, it was kind of interesting. Because it's been done before where you have, you know, the females or the, the neuter, the, the, the co-genitor. And it turns out they're just as good as the other um, that's been done before and so it's actually kind of funded to, to switch that up and make the females actually inferior by a lot and it also gives them an excuse to just believe that every other female of every other kind is going to be that way <laughs> which is ridiculous if you think about it if they ever thought that when there maybe well they'll get there someday but they now they know there are aliens if they can really think that there may be many 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 different kinds of aliens out there they won't all be like theirs and so they could have females that are equal or even superior in some cases to men uh, to males and that just hasn't occurred to them and that was important because hoshi is a linguistic genius and if i allowed her to speak to them or understand them. You know, if I didn't have that order be- from Malcolm, if they did try to talk to her, this would be a different story because she would be able to understand them. She would be able to converse with them and they could then force her to to spill the beans. Um, plain and simple. If they torture her, she would tell them what they want to know because that is the result of torture absolutely the result of torture it's never the truth it can be a coincidence sometimes that what you want to know turns out to be the truth but usually it's whatever you that you they think the person being tortured wants the pain to stop so they will tell you whatever they need to tell you to get the pain to stop thus many innocent people have been put to death or put in jail or whatever because of torture, because they just needed that pain to stop. That was the highest priority. And so they said what they needed to say to get it to stop. And it's very few people that can actually withstand torture and not break. Um, It's very, very rare. So I didn't want to put that in there And have Hoshi be superhuman and definitely never break. So they had to not torture her. So I made this decision that, you know, their females being inferior will help this situation. They will not think that Hoshi could possibly be the equivalent of Malcolm. So, yeah, that's it, simply. And because Malcolm can't understand them and they can't understand him, torturing him won't get them very far torturing her would. He may tell them, you know, if if in the next chapter, and I'm not saying this is happening, hypothetically, if in the next chapter they started torturing him to get information about tactical things and technological advancement, he would probably tell them everything in English. They wouldn't understand it. He wouldn't understand the questions, but he might tell them that thinking that's what they want to hear to stop the pain. Of course, they won't understand it. So they won't stop the pain. It it would, now we have this thing with its telepathy. It's that changes the equation. And um, so he would listen to Hoshi. we talked about that in the last chapter. The idea is if she's talking in his head and they're talking in the room, who's he gonna listen to more? He trusts her. And he's going to listen to her voice. And that's going to change things. Because then she, she can say something. And he can then repeat it. And it might be a language he doesn't speak. But he can repeat it. So that's that's the plan. And that's how that would play out hypothetically. Now, we have ten chapters to go. One third of the story. And... Um, we are building toward a climax. Some of the things you'll note that they talked about upcoming is that Jenna realizes that with the coming of turn, we also come to the change of leadership and um, Grand Raptor Usa will be the head councilman and things will turn their way. There'll be probably be more times when Geyser wins the arguments. So... He's feeling that. Um, Kare is also, you know, got his, his quota. He knows he gets to mate twice. Um, so, yay, yay for him. <laughs> so, you know, turn is coming. So, that whole change is coming. We are nearing the end of this year. We, I think it said somewhere in there eight months have gone by. Maybe it's nine months. Um, I can't remember exactly, but we have covered, you know, two-thirds of the story and thus two-thirds sort of of the year. So we're getting close to the climax. Ten chapters, but, you know, when it's when it's 30 chapters, ten chapters is close. <laughs> so um, I look forward to reading you chapter 21. Do let me know what you think. Um, I would love to hear from you. My email is inhildi at gmail.com, and my Twitter handle is at In inhyldi. inhyldi is spelled I-N-H-E-I-L-D-I. Um, let me know. Drop me a line. I will reply. I do that. All right. I'll talk to you tomorrow.